Warning, this podcast may contain graphic and triggering content. Please listen at your own risk. Each individual struggle is different and everyone's recovery and healing journey is different. Please reach out to a certified medical professional if you need help. Welcome to episode 39 of Stomp the Stigma, the podcast aimed to fight the stigma surrounding mental health through education, awareness, experiences, stories, resources, and the vulnerable truth. Joining me to Stomp the Stigma once again is Jennifer Kelly. This episode is part two of my conversation with her, but we are switching gears a little bit this episode. Last week, we talked about her self-love and self-acceptance journey, and this week we are talking about her journey with ADHD. Through this online community, I have seen so many people talk about their struggles with ADHD and the kind of side effects and symptoms that they experience, and I've been thinking for a long time that I have ADHD myself, so getting to talk to Jennifer about her experience and relating to her story and resonating with her, this conversation was incredible, and I hope you guys learn a little bit about ADHD in adults because I don't think that's talked about enough and it looks very very different than it does in children. I hope you guys love this episode just as much as I did. Enjoy. Okay I want to move on to your ADHD a little bit. Is that something that you've been living with your whole life? I think so. I got diagnosed I was probably 23 when I got my official diagnosis of ADHD. Um, I was adopted when I was, I wasn't a baby. I was a little bit older. I was about two and a half when I was taken into foster care and I was about five when I was adopted. So there's been a lot of, um, a lot of things that we had kind of attributed to being adopted at it. You know, I like a, like a associative disorder or things like that, or just not really knowing who I was Mm -hmm. because it's, it's hard to be an older child because you have this family that's taking care of you, but you don't really know your origins. Right. Um, so there was a lot of things that were we thought maybe was attributed to that. But I went to see a specialist. We did a lot of different, you know, assessments and a lot of ch- talks about, you know, you know, inconsistency and how I was in school and how I was feeling about myself and all of these things. And a lot of after all the assessments, he's like, you know, a lot of what you're telling me are markers for ADHD. And I was like, well, I don't feel hyper. He's like, well, that's the problem is that you know, hyperactivity is in the name, but it's not necessarily how everybody reacts. Yeah. He's like, and you're not a child, so your first thing isn't going to be doing laps around the living room. You're 23 years old. And he said a lot of it is, you know, how your your brain chemistry is. Your brain just constantly moving, and it's not so much your body. That's where the hyperactivity comes in. Yeah. I was like, okay. So it made a lot of sense. So I started medication then, and I was doing phenomenal. And then I moved to Florida, and that's, you know, I had met my ex-husband and had the kids and kind of let all that stuff fall apart because, again, I put everything into everybody else and didn't really take care of myself, so... I was like, eh, I've managed it up until I was 23. I can manage it from now. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I, I would like to think that I did, but I know I didn't. I know I fell short in a lot of ways, and it, it led to a lot of, you know, the feeling of like a failure around myself, including my body, um, inconsistencies with work, you know, trouble with relationships and things like that. And after 2020, well, in 2020, being, you know, locked down with my family and everything like that and having nothing else because – Part of the ADHD is the constant need for the dopamine, like you're chasing the dopamine 
and when you're working and there are there are social activities and there are things that you can go and do, your brain gets that dopamine from bouncing around and doing different things. But when there when we were in like lockdown in 2020, I didn't. There was nothing else. It was literally me and my brain and my thoughts and my forgetfulness and my inability to focus and my inconsistencies. And I'm looking at it like, okay, with how crazy my life has been up to this point, I've been able to kind of ignore it. Cause I don't even know that I managed to ignore it. And I, I can't anymore. Like it's, it's truly affected me in so many different areas that I, I didn't notice until right now, until I was alone with these thoughts and this kind of crazy brain that was all over the place. So I just was like, I, ha I have to take steps to try to make myself feel better. Cause a lot of ADHD is when you can't accomplish the tasks that you want to accomplish, you feel like a failure. Yeah. And it's feeling a lot like a failure. And I'm like, I know I'm not a failure. I don't want to feel like this anymore. So I went and saw another doctor, saw a counselor, and did a lot of talking and a lot more assessments because things can change over 20 years with how your ADHD um, manifests. And started medications and have since then just been like, why did I wait so long? Mm -hmm. Did it take you a long time to get diagnosed? No, not really. I mean, I was, I had um, diagnosis of anxiety. I had diagnosis of depression when I was younger. And then, um, yeah, I never even thought of ADD or ADHD when I was in my twenties because yeah. it's just, my knowledge of ADD or ADHD was from like school age children who don't know how to sit in their seats or, you know, yeah. bop around and who can't focus. And I, it didn't really fit because I was a 23 year old woman. I had working, I had an apartment. Um, so it didn't, it didn't even cross my mind that that could be a possibility. So I was misdiagnosed for a long time, but not even knowing that I was misdiagnosed. So, you know, this doctor brought up ADHD when I was in my 20s, and I was like, what? It didn't even make sense. But, I mean, now that I'm older and I've had time to process it, it to totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a long time between, I mean, I was diagnosed before I even knew that I, I thought that I had it. Um, but looking back on, you know, my life, and even when I was younger, when I was a smaller child, I'm surprised nobody noticed it. Yeah. But I think back then they didn't really do back in the eighties. It wasn't like ADHD and ADD wasn't, it was there, but it wasn't those types of neurodivergence uh, weren't a thing. We didn't really, we didn't easily medicate kids for those things like they do in mm -hmm. the 2000s and stuff. So. Mm -hmm. Wow. I think, yeah, I, I'm the same kind of way. I, I was never like a really hyper kid or like running all over the place. Like, like the typical, what people assume ADHD looks like. But now that I'm older and like in my late 20s, I'm starting to kind of think that I have ADHD and I'm seeing other people talk about the other symptoms and, and more of the brain activity jumping all over the place. Like that is way more me. And yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of it, people talk about it a lot more. And you see all of these different symptoms of it that you never would think would be a symptom of ADHD. Mm -hmm. and it, I, I think that's wonderful because there are so many people who are undiagnosed, and especially women. It's, it's just like PCOS. Women are, are underdiagnosed with ADHD when they actually have it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, if, if it's a struggle, if things are a struggle, then it's certainly time to, to take assessments and, and try to get checked because, you know, medication isn't, isn't the thing that people think it is. It's not bad to be on medication, especially if it helps mm -hmm. you in your everyday life. Yeah. And I look back now, I mean, I'm several months back into like regulate and regulating medications. But I look back like at all the years that I didn't have medication or, or counseling or help. I'm like, how did I do it? 
mm-hmm. you know, between being a single mother raising two children. I mean, again, I think it was just because there was always something going on. I just was kind of, I didn't have the time to think about all the things that I was missing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's so many markers for it. Like, I didn't know the fact that I could drink coffee at nine o'clock at night and then fall right to sleep meant that I could possibly have ADHD. Caffeine doesn't affect me like that. It's just, yeah. but that's part of the hyperactive thing is it your brain's already firing at a million shots a minute. So caffeine's not really even going to be able to touch that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the forgetfulness, I thought I just, just forgot stuff. But that's another part of it. I just, oh, my whole life has been like, I'll be like, okay, I have to take my purse with me and I'll walk out of the house and not forget my purse or forget my purse or yeah. go to the store with a list and still manage to forget stuff. It's just how I've always been. And it's just, one well, that's another big marker for it. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that you just said that. <laughs> I think <laughs> about stuff all the time. Like I'll think about something 10 seconds before I'm leaving the house. I'm like, okay, I have to take this with me. And I'm, I'm out the door at the car and I'm like, how did I forget that? Like mm-hmm. it just, you think about stuff and then it just disappears so quick. I have to write yep. everything down. Everything. Yeah. Uh, if I can't, I, I survive on my um, notes tab on my phone. Yes. And then, uh, you know, as soon as I think about something at the house, like if I think about a post or anything, I have to write it down because the minute that I walk into another room, it's like, what? Where did it go? How did yeah. it possibly go away that fast? But it's gone. Yeah, I find even when I'm talking to people on, on the podcast, they will bring up something while they're talking and I'm like, oh, I want to address that. But mm-hmm. like as they're continuing talking, it will just disappear completely. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how did I forget that in like 30 seconds? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so that's one of them. That's the big one for me. That's like My mom always told me, you're such a forgetful person. It's like, I don't do it on purpose. Yeah. It's just like, I can't, I, I literally cannot help it. So it's, it's, I, you have to learn tips and tricks because even with medication, you're never going to be cured. It's a management, it's a tool to help you feel better. But you still have to learn tricks to be able to remember things or, mm-hmm. you know, not get overwhelmed. That's another part of ADHD too is the, is constant overwhelm, like chronic overwhelm. Everything is overwhelming. Yeah, And that's where ADHD people have been labeled as lazy because society sees as somebody not doing something that they know they're supposed to do as lazy. But a lot of the times it's just the idea of beginning this task is overwhelming and we don't even have the ability to make ourselves start. Yeah. Um, so you just have to, you, you, management is important and meds are, are paramount. I, I'm so glad that you brought up caffeine because I've never heard that before, but I don't drink coffee at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I do have caffeine, I kind of expect it to affect me like drastically, but it doesn't, Yeah, it doesn't yeah. at all. Yeah. See caffeine. I love coffee. I have my coffee in the morning and you know, my daughter asked me, she's like, does it give you like a, like a pep? And I'm like, no, I'm like, I just like the coffee Yeah. because my brain's already going. So I mean, I am already all over the place, so I don't need it. It's just, that's, if anything, it kind of just makes me feel relaxed. Mm-hmm. You know, that's. <laughs> That's the crazy part about it is they give us stimulant medication. People who are already stimulated, stimulant medication, and that helps us focus. It's it's such a bizarre thing how our brain works and how medications, our body metabolizes medications and how they work in our body. It's like yeah. you think that giving a stimulated person stimulants would put them over the edge, but it does the opposite. Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah, but caffeine doesn't have an effect. I wish it did. <laughs> yeah. I also have trouble sleeping or staying mm-hmm. asleep. I think I'm pretty sure my brain is just firing on all cylinders all the time and I I can't stay asleep. So no matter how much I sleep, I can sleep for eight, nine, ten hours 
and still wake up feeling exhausted. And I had no idea why until I started reading about ADHD. Yeah, I've always been a terrible sleeper. That's one of the things too. Your brain doesn't stop enough to be able to get that deep sleep where you're, you know, sleep is when your brain processes everything that happens for the day. Yeah. And if your brain never stops working, your whole body doesn't get that rest that it needs. Yeah. It's all of these things that when you think about it and you hear these symptoms, you're like, wow, that makes, it just makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. So much sense. Yeah. People always tell me like, oh, you're such a morning person. You're always so awake first thing in the morning or like you're so productive because I'm always doing something, always jumping all over the place. But people don't see kind of the behind the scenes, like what is happening to my body and like, oh, it's exhausting yeah. sometimes. It is. It definitely, definitely wears you out. It's like you start the day like everybody else, but halfway through the day, you're already tired because you've already tried to do so many things because you're constantly feeling like you need to be on the move. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. And for me, a lot of it was like the consistency. It's like, okay, I started a big project that I really want to do like anything. I mean, it could have been schoolwork. It could have been, um, you know, a job, a brand new job. Like you throw yourself into these things and it's just really difficult to stay, stay consistent because as soon as you kind of like once that hyper focus fall off um, and it, it, something kind of bores you for half a millisecond, it's like everything after that, you're just like, eh. Yeah. So it's hard. I mean, it's hard to, to have a normal existence when you don't have proper management of it yeah is it hard for you to relax then it is yeah it is I mean I've kind of I mean I have three children and I'm in my 40s so <laughs> by the end of the day I'm tired I'm ready for it but I do find that um like I, I want to sit I know I need to sit I mean I need to take a break and then I'll sit for a minute and then yeah. I'm like okay shoot I have 50 other things that I have to do so yeah. it's like I sit for a second and then I'm up and I'm bouncing around and and then I sit for a while and I take a break. Mm-hmm. And then I jump into my next hour of things that I want to get done. It's not the you know, up and down, up and down, up and down like it used to be, which is I'm less exhausted by the end of the day because of that. Mm-hmm. I always have like a list of things that I want to get done. And I know that I need to take a break. But I'm like, okay, you can take a break once this and this and this is done. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I end up burning myself out. But I also get super bored super easily. So I'm like, how am I supposed to sit here and like chill and do nothing? It's so hard sometimes. You almost have to schedule. What I've noticed for myself is like I, I do I do a lot of this stuff like on my TikTok. I do more I do like cleaning and home stuff like that, but I do it like for like like ADHD friendly things. Yeah. So to like look at a list of things that I have to do in my brain, it's like, okay, I have these this many things to do. And then like immediately I start to feel overwhelmed. I'm like, wow, I really have that many things to do. So I'm, I, I'm better off. Like how I clean my house is like, I do one room a day and that's all that I do as far as cleaning, because mm-hmm. I get hyper-focused on that one room, that whole room room's done. And by the time I'm done with that room room, I don't want to clean anymore, yeah. but I've already done it. So I don't have to do that part of my, like my household chores or anything else anymore. So I try to schedule a small block of of things, like partially cleaning, and then the next part will be like I have to go through emails, but I only schedule a small block of that just so that I enough time for me to get into it so that by the time my brain is starting to roll out of it, that block of time is used up. Yeah. And then I almost have to schedule downtime. Like yes. I know at nine, 9 o'clock, at 9 o'clock is like, it's almost like I've told myself that 9 o'clock is the time I punch out. Like nine o'clock is my off time. Mm-hmm. So whatever I didn't get done by nine o'clock is going to get done the next day. And then, I mean, I, do I always sit from nine o'clock until I fall asleep? No, 
but for the most part, I've learned that this is part of my routine. At 9 o'clock, I'm going to stop. And I might do a couple more things, like if there's a load of laundry that needs changed over, then fine. But beyond that, it's like I've, I've, I've kind of forced myself to just take 9 o'clock to whenever I fall asleep to read a book or watch a TV show that I didn't ever get to watch or, I mean, uh, anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there'll be days that I've decided at 9 o'clock I do want to go through more emails. And that, for me, is relaxing because it's not like scheduled time. Right. It's just like, this is what I want to do with that time frame that I'm supposed to relax. And that's fine. But it's not like, okay, I have to do it at this particular time. So yeah. it's, it's coping. You just figure out schedules. And for me, schedules have been huge. Yeah. So are you a big planner then? I, I try to be. Unfortunately, like with my life, the way that it is with kids and everything else, it's hard to always do that. But I do mm-hmm. know that, like I, like I said, like I'm going to clean my one room a day. I do know that I'm going to do a little bit more on the house. And I have things that I do every day. Um, I don't have a time that I have to do them. I just know that I need to get them done in that day. Right. Um, and then I do try to slot out time for emails and then other things like that. And I, I, it's, I, I like the idea of a schedule, but I can never say that I'm always going to do this at 10 because that never works out for me. Mm-hmm. But I know that I'm going to do these certain things during the day. So yeah. I plan it out to an extent, but I always leave room for variables because tomorrow I'll wake up and I'm not sure what's going to be different tomorrow. Yeah, so. true. Are there other kind of symptoms or side effects of ADHD that, that you know um, affect you that people wouldn't typically expect? Well, I think, well, the, the lazy thing, like the chronically overwhelmed was a big one for me because I couldn't understand why. I was always being labeled as lazy, but I felt like I was constantly moving. Mm-hmm. There's there's that one. And then the self-deprecating thoughts and the feeling like a failure, you know, yeah. that that's one of those things. And a lot of people attribute that just to, not living up to expectations or everybody feels like a failure at some point. But a lot of that came from the fact that I wasn't able to break past those boundaries or the barriers that stopped me from getting laundry done or that stopped me from finishing a school project. It's just, it's like, it's an invisible barrier and you literally don't know how to go beyond it. Mm -hmm. And then because you can't do what everybody's expecting you to do, you feel like a failure and there's no explanation why you can't do what you need to do. Yeah. You just, you literally can't make yourself do it. So yeah, the, the feeling like you're a failure because you're not finishing the things that are expected of you was another thing that I didn't know was a part of it. And I felt like that for years. I felt like I never lived up to expectations. And that was why. It was because I literally couldn't do it. And it wasn't wrong. Yeah. I wasn't doing anything wrong. And I wasn't like intentionally, willfully being lazy. I just didn't know how to do it. I wasn't prepared to do it on my own. Right. And that was a huge thing for me. It's like, well, that makes so much sense because... You know, I, I, it was like a circle. It's like I couldn't do something, so I felt like a failure, and then I felt like a failure because I couldn't do something. And it was like this circle of self-clothing and feeling like a failure and feeling like I was unlovable and, un, you know, I couldn't accomplish anything or unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the ADHD. Do you recognize when the ADHD is kind of taking control? Yes. You can tell? Um, mm-hmm. And even with... Medication I'm on, I'm on Vyvanse right now, which is for adults or women. I think it's people over 35, they do different types of medications for because people have comorbidities and things that could be affected mm-hmm. by the stimulant medications, so they do things a little different. So I'm on Vyvanse right now, and if there is a day that I forget to take it or I take it later or I change when I take it, and it's not like a fluoxetine or an antidepressant. You don't need six weeks for it to build up in your system. The way mm-hmm. these medications work is they work when you take them. So if I miss a day or I take it later, I can certainly tell you that all of the things that I want to get done in the day, it's like, I look at the day like, oh my gosh, like how am I possibly going to get any of this done? And then, well, crap, I didn't, 
you know, do any of the things I had planned. And it's like, I can, I can absolutely tell you the days that I've taken the medication, my medication when I'm supposed to, or the days that I have missed it or I've taken it at the wrong time. Because everything up until that point where the medication starts working is like, I'm like at zero energy level, but my brain's all over the place. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and there's always going to be times where I'm, I'm pushing against the ADHD a little bit. I mean, it doesn't, like I said, it never goes away. But my ability to push past it now is much better, medicated than unmedicated. But there's still days of the struggle. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's not a fail-safe. It's it's, it's there's always going to be issues, but yeah, just accept that it's going to happen, mm-hmm. and know that just because that day sucked, that you didn't fail, you just needed you had to push a little harder. Mm-hmm. Has your ADHD affected your kids at all? Not necessarily in like a hereditary way, but just being around kind of those characteristic behaviors. Uh, oh yeah, especially when I was a single parent, um, and it was just me. You know, the fact that I was a little bit all over the place. I, I I have this thing, and I still have this thing, and I'm not sure. Maybe I was a I was like a nomad in my former life, but I'm always moving things around, like changing furniture, changing things around mm. my house. It was like when I was just a single parent, it was like quarterly throughout the year, four or five times a year, I would switch the house around. The kids have kind of been so good about accepting that that's just how I live. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it definitely affects them. I mean, it was like a constant change. It was constantly changing my mind. You know, with housework, it was like with the hyper-focus, if I was hyper-focused on cleaning, the house was like perfect condition. Everything was spotless. If I was not in a cleaning hyper-focus stage and it was overwhelming to me, the house would be clean, but it would be untidier. You know, so it was like, it almost was like, almost manic for them a little bit. Um, I don't think they would ever look back and be like, yeah, mom's like crazy at some points. And then not, you know, I don't think they would ever look at it like that, but they've definitely put up with me changing things on them a lot, a lot. We've moved a lot, which hasn't been ADHD based. It's just kind of circumstantial, but um, you know, they've had a lot of change and they've been so good about the change Mm -hmm. and the changes and with me needing to, change like have change change is just part of yeah I love it people hate it I love it it just it's new it's fresh it's different and it makes me feel kind of invigorated because it's a change where most people are like leave everything alone so yeah it's affected them I don't know that it's affected them negatively but they definitely had to adapt to the fact that I'm constantly in flux mm-hmm. well I'm glad you brought up change I I never really thought about that as being part of the ADHD but because I get bored super easily, mm-hmm. change and something new is always kind of on my radar. That yeah, know. yeah, and I've always been that way. I remember being like middle school, like changing my room around every couple of weeks because I just wanted it to feel like a different space. Yeah, and I I loved it. I mean, that's just that's just, and I st- I still do it. That's probably part of my you know like a, a part of my personality and my characteristics right now, and that's okay. I mean, my family has like adapted so so well for my need for constant change. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely something that people who don't have ADHD or don't have that need for change have to endure when they are with people or the children of the person who does. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I like traveling so much mm-hmm. is getting to to see different places or being in like different environments and things like that. Yeah, traveling is yeah. wonderful for ADHD because yeah. you're constantly on the move. Yeah. And that's a dopamine. I mean, that's that's the thing about that's ADHD is we do not produce dopamine or um, you know, if we, if dopamine being the, like how it, like it affects mood. 
mm-hmm. enhances mood mm-hmm. and everything. So when we don't have, uh, our brain doesn't produce dopamine as much, we're always constantly chasing it. And for people that change does it, shopping oh, does yeah. it too. Like you go someplace and you shop and you, and you just get that rush and it's, it's, yeah. it's the chasing of the dopamine. That's essentially what ADHD is. So travel is a wonderful thing for it because there's so much excitement and adventure and you really never know what's going to happen the next day. And you've never seen this part of the world before. Mm-hmm. And it's a wonderful thing for it. I wish I had done more of that when I was younger, satisfied that a little bit more, but when I'm, I've still got years ahead of me. So <laughs> what coping mechanisms have helped you through the hard days, whether that is the ADHD or the self-love and self-acceptance, what has helped you through and has that, changed over the years as you yourself have changed it's definitely changed over the years um again i I, when i was feeling horrible about myself all the time i just that's just how i felt yeah um so i didn't i just kind of i let it i let it happen and i just felt crappy all the time and unhappy Mm -hmm. now that i realize that there's so much beyond that on the days where i do have issue you know trouble whether it be the adhd or feelings about the pcos or feelings about my body because I do realize that those days are going to happen. It's not a constant feeling anymore. So I've kind of realized that when I have a bad day that I just, I I let it be a bad day, you know? And if, if, if that means that I just kind of need to take a break and not look at the mirror or, you know, if I, if I know that I'm going to have a bad ADHD day and I just expect that I'm going to not get what I want to get done and, and just accept that that's how the day is going to be. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I fight those emotions and those feelings, I, I just end up struggling more. So I just accept, you know, I mean, I try, especially well, a bad body image day, I do my best to try to pull myself out of it. There are days that I can't. And so I just move around the day um, differently. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, if I, if I feel like I gross in an outfit and I have to change because I feel that way, I'm not going to just wear the outfit because I, I need to. I'm going to change and feel more comfortable. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I let my feelings be what they are. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is when you force, try to force the feelings or force feeling better when you don't or, you know, force getting things done when your ADHD is, is triggered. It almost makes you more triggered. Mm-hmm. Like if you're already feeling bad and you try to force feeling good, you're going to end up feeling worse. So yeah. honor the feelings in the moment. I like that a lot. And then you move past them. I mean, you can't jump over them. You have to feel them in order to get through them. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. I like that. Nothing's ever perfect. Oh, exactly. And it shouldn't be. Yeah. So without the bad, there is no good. There's no perspective, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely have to have both to balance each other out. Okay. Uh, looking back over your your kind of whole journey, is there any advice that you would give your younger self, or any advice that you wish somebody would have given you? Well, I wish I wish people had checked in with me more. Yeah. Um, I think part of who I am is just like fiercely independent, um, and I don't like to ask for help, and I don't really like help being forced upon me. But mm-hmm. people checking in would have been great. Um, advice to give my former self just um basically trust your instincts you know i fought so hard because i was feeling a certain way and i didn't think i should be feeling that way and i didn't i didn't trust myself enough to to really act on how i was feeling not that it would have maybe changed the trajectory of my life or maybe it would have i'm not sure i just know that i didn't i didn't validate my own feelings enough and i didn't trust my instincts Mm -hmm. and how i was feeling i kind of put everybody else's feelings first that's the biggest one. 
Yeah, that's a good one. That's a really good one. I just want to touch on your Instagram page. I, I love it so much, and I feel like I relate to it so much. Thank you. Um, yeah. you share... I'll get back to it. Yeah. <laughs> you share little bits and pieces of your life and kind of what you go through and and your journey along the way. What what kind of made you start that page? Was that for you? Yeah. So originally, I had a different Instagram page um, from when it started. I was on Instagram in like 2011, 2012, from the very beginning, when it was just a photo sharing app and it's basically all I share. And then we moved to New York. And I started a new page and that's where like the three little bird was, which I've changed again. And that was again, just for me, it was also with the weight loss journey. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, I was trying keto at the time and sharing stories about that and food and all that other stuff. And then over time, I've just kind of morphed it into talking more about my story and sharing more about my feelings about my body and, you know, the mental health struggles and the, the physical struggles, the health struggles, just as a way to, I don't know, connect and put how I've felt and what I go through out there. And I'm very lucky that I've been able to connect with some wonderful people who have been through similar stories and who, you know, I don't have a huge platform, which is fine. Um, it's actually better because, I mean, the people that are watching my, my page are the people who, like, really need to hear what I'm saying. And that's yeah. wonderful. So I've made some great friends on there, and I'm very happy to know that I've touched some people and made some people feel much better about themselves for certain reasons, including the PCOS and the weight stuff. And, I mean, I just – social media is wonderful in that way. It's made the world a lot smaller, which is a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. But it's made the world smaller so you can reach people who need to be reached. Yeah. So – and I like that I've kind of been at Instagram in all different ways, you know, just for fun and then kind of moved it into a little bit more of a journaling direction. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't ever take it too, too seriously, but it's, you know, it's, it's definitely been wonderful. Needed okay. for me too. It's probably therapeutic for you sometimes to just express kind of what you're feeling or use it as a journal. I like yeah. that. Yeah, it is. And it's nice. Like I said, when you talk about things that make you feel shameful, you almost instantly feel less shameful about it. Yes. So it's a wonderful way to put out things that, and everybody has their certain level of what they feel comfortable putting out there. But for myself, I don't, I don't have a lot of like, I don't have a lot of shame throughout, you know, being open with myself. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's been a wonderful way for me to release a lot of the things that I held for a very long time. Okay. I have just one more question for you that sure. I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. Absolutely. Um, is there a stigma or misconception surrounding mental health that bothers you the most or that you hear most often that isn't true? You know, what, what gets me, I think the stigma is that, um, I, don't know, I don't know if it's a stigma, but the idea that, you know, if you have a mental health problem, just get over it. I know there's a lot of people who tell people who are depressed, well, just you know, try to be happy. It's just really not that easy. Um, just like I said with the ADHD, it's like you really don't know why you're feeling how you're feeling or how to fix the feelings that you're feeling or how to move past them. And I just wish people would take it more seriously if they find somebody that's struggling. We've been very, I think for a long time, been very dismissive about people who have mental health disorders and not even so much like schizophrenia or MPD or bipolar. I mean, we see those people that need that we think people like who have those disorders need more help. People who have general anxiety disorder or depression, um, they need just as much help and support. I think it's we, we really need to start supporting the people who, everybody actually, there's nobody without that doesn't need support, but 
even people who we think are just sad and not depressed, they need support. Mm-hmm. You know, and just just feel happy does not ever work. Yes. You know, you know, I think oh. we need to definitely pay more attention to the people who need it. Yeah, that is the worst advice anybody could ever give. <laughs> I hate when people say that to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, what can you do to make yourself happier? Nothing. That's that, that's the point. You know what I mean? Like, depression isn't just like I'm having a sad day. Depression is it's beyond. Yeah, it's beyond being able to control it. Mm-hmm. You know, going and eating ice cream isn't going to make me not depressed. I mean, I might be happy in the moment, but it needs a lot more. We need a lot more support and a lot of a lot more people. Being open and talking about it and having podcasts like yours where it's less stigmatized and more normalized. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that is all the questions that I had for you. Um, was you. there anything that you wanted to bring up that we didn't touch on? Not not really. I just, I'm, I'm very happy that you had me here to talk about it. I, I, like I said, I've been kind of taking a social media break. Um, and I, I haven't really openly talked about, you know, my story and my thoughts and stuff. Well, not not openly, but like not on a platform like Instagram for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And um, this might be the what spurs me to do start doing it again. It's 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 just one of those things where it's like, and I think it's a consistency thing with me too. It's really hard to be consistent, but yeah, you put everything out there, and then you don't really have anything to say, and then you come back and you say everything again. But um, basically, that's basically it. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. I am. I feel like I related to you way more than I expected to. Oh, and I've, I've never really talked to anyone about ADHD before. So that was huge for me. I love that. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you were able to connect to that because there's a lot of people that you know, have what, you know, what, what I have and what you potentially have and don't ever feel like they connect to somebody or, or, or yeah. you know, have like a touchstone or somebody who like makes them feel like it's not as, they're not as off the wall as they think they are. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, if people want to reach out to you or have more questions for you, are you open to that? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. What is the best Yeah, I'm way? always around, and I, like I said, I'll do my best to be more active on social media. It's, you know, it goes back and forth with it. But, yeah, no, I'm always – I love talking to people and connecting and, you know, answering questions and making people feel understood. Yeah, I'm always available. Is Instagram the best way to contact you? Yeah. Okay. It is definitely Instagram. And then my email um, is on my Instagram page linked to that, but I, my DMS are always open and I'm always available. I always get the messages. And I always, I always respond. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Feel free to reach out at any time. You can contact me on Instagram and Facebook at stomp the stigma YYC. And you can email me at stomp the stigma YYC at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, please like and subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. And if you or someone you know would like to come on, I would love to have you share your story, speak your truth, and together we can stomp the stigma.